You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and welcome to Next Question. Today, the comedian who is gleefully shattering Instagram's illusion of the perfect self and the perfect life. So much of what we see is BS. I'm like, there's something in that. There's a real funny idea behind the fact that this is all BS. I talked with Celeste Barber, an Australian actress and comedian who's become famous for her Instagram feed a stream of not particularly flattering photos and videos of herself. That feed, which is seen by 6.8 million people, got her a TV special, a world tour, a book deal, and yes, a podcast. But Instagram is still her go-to destination for comedy. Because I am Australian, I live in Australia, I don't have to be on the road all the time. I I feel as though I can put out a sketch or a, a post And it's seen as a show, a stand-up show. So my next question for Celeste, in this highly curated hashtag no filter world, what does it take to be real when we're all just faking it? Social media only has the power you give it. You can turn it off. You can physically and literally turn it off and walk away from it. Or you can use it. Use it if you want. Use it to talk to someone. If you don't want to see something, you can turn it off or use it as powerfully as you want to. Celeste Barber realized a long time ago that our culture feeds on a certain level of artifice. I remember before social media when we'd get, you know, magazines. I'm a big fan of magazines. Always, I love fashion. InStyle was always my Bible. And, you know, you'd see a photo of a model in there, Kate Moss, for example, or whatever, Cindy Crawford, a gorgeous model in there. But you, well, for me, I knew that that was f- for them to do. That was 
That was Cindy Crawford on a motorbike, on a rooftop, in a bikini on a Wednesday because that's all that – that's Cindy Crawford's thing to do. And we kind of knew that there was Photoshop and that it was just very heightened reality. It was It was art, if you will. And I've always respected kind of that art form. But then when social media came around and it was being sold – that similar image, for example, was being sold as an attainable life or as something that just ha- actually does happen on a Wednesday for everyone, right? And something that was truly authentic. Yeah, and living my best life or living my best self. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't real. But the, thi- the scary thing is it was getting to a point where you're like, oh, no, people don't know that, though. People are thinking that this is real. And it it was like a bit of a snake in the grass for me because it kind of seeps in when you're at your at your weakest, I guess. You know, you're three in the morning and you're breastfeeding and you haven't slept for what feels like 15 years and you're flicking through your phone and you see these images and you're like, oh, that hurts. In 2015, Celeste posted a photo on her Instagram. On one side was a picture of a model in a ballet studio wearing sleek athletic wear, her hair elegantly pulled back, doing an incredibly flexible yoga pose. On the other side, a picture of Celeste on the floor of her home. You can even see a baby in the background. She's wearing gray sweats and is also trying to do the same yoga pose, but getting nowhere close. She tagged the photo, hashtag challenge accepted. And then I posted it with the caption underneath it, I'm starting something. Because I just I just knew. I knew it was funny and it hadn't been tapped into. And I take the piss out of people all the time. It was a visual joke Celeste had with her sister. And on Instagram, it was an immediate hit. Celeste did another and then another. And by now, she's created hundreds of these photo and video parodies. The best way I describe it is I take inappropriate, half-naked, unflattering photos of myself and put them next to models and celebrities. But, so first, I do comes the, but, but first comes the models yeah, and celebrities. So I, I see a photo that they have posted and then I do my version of it. But it's a parody, so something's added to it. It's not. I'm not mimicking them. I'm, I'm adding to it. I'm doing a par- it's satire. Give me some examples, Celeste, of some of the funny posts you've done. Well, the first one that comes to mind, which I think is probably the easiest to describe, is Cindy Crawford doing her Pepsi commercial, where she so beautifully opens a can of Pepsi. Oh, she's so beautiful. And has a, a, a drink of it and then pulls right. her head it was, down. Right. I think it was a Super Bowl ad yeah, from way so, back. Yeah. So she, but then she's done a reboot right, of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. For, I think, Vogue 73 questions, she did it. Can you show me how Cindy Crawford drinks a Pepsi? Well, I'll sure try. So what I did was I had like a massive bottle of Pepsi and I opened it and so the Pepsi then sprayed all over me because that's what happens. And, and you usually I, do this in a split screen. Yeah, I use it in a split screen or with a, with a video I go forward and back. Um, and then, yeah, so the Pepsi goes all over me. Then I try and sip it but I'm burping because it's fizzy and it's all through. But then at the end I just try and be all really sexy and like Cindy. And, yeah, that I actually interviewed Cindy on my podcast and she was such a good sport. She loved it. Yeah. She loved it. And I was like, can you let Pepsi know and we can do something together? I'm still waiting for that call. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you take sort of fashion spreads and it might be somebody in this ridiculous situation yeah. uh, posing in a bathing suit, like on a some kind of contraption on the beach. And then and you then do it on a little rickety wagon. I bring, I bring on my wagon. Like that was one of... Um, 
Irina Shake, I think she's a beautiful model where she's just she's got a gorgeous chair down by the beach and she's in like these amazing like little swimmers and she's just putting the chair down and sitting down and flicking her hair around and being gorgeous and then cut to me and I'm trying to put up a beach umbrella and it's trapping me underneath it and I'm kicking it and there's a wagon that's in the sands in my face and then at the end I just kind of stand next to it defeated. It's funny but it's also I think you know you're you're tapping into how many women feel when they do look at these images that are unattainable and unrealistic. And it's been shown that social media really does contribute to anxiety and depression, not only for adults, but particularly for for kids. Right. And um, is that something that that you yourself were thinking about and worried about in the back of your head as you kind of poked a hole in all this manufacturing of an image? Well, that was a very long-winded question. No, it was good though. I liked it. Thank you. With your arms and everything. It was, (laughs) it was lovely. Um, I, to be completely honest with you, I did this because I thought it was funny. I, my, I primarily just want to make people laugh. Always have. And the fact that I am cutting through, I've all, and I've always just cut through crap. I've, people are never unsure of where they stand with me because I don't fluff around and go, hey, people, I'm, I'm always very honest and I've just kind of always been like that. So to tie that in with wanting to make people laugh, I think that's why it hit a nerve because it was kind of truth talking and calling it out and really funny. I think that's how it kind of cut through. It also seemed to dovetail, Celeste, with the body positivity movement. Right. You know, that that women can be beautiful and be great in all shapes and sizes. So you almost actually caught that trend as well. Yeah, and that, that was unintentional as well. Um, I never started this to be a body positive thing. I'm very happy to be caught up in that movement or whatever, like very, very happy to be. But it was never an intention of mine because when we talk about beauty, it seems so much of how we see beauty is literally how we see it and what it looks like. How I look makes up a very, very small percentage of who I am. I believe that for a lot of us. And I, so like, you know, some of the things I post, I won't look at again because I'm like, oh, that's that's a lot. But most of the time I see it for the funny joke that it is. I feel like people are laughing with me. There are people who are laughing at me and hate it and, and again, go nuts, whatever blows your hair back. But for me it was just not even a celebration of how I looked but just a celebration of something else. Your spirit, yeah, really. other, my sense of humour, my understanding of what's funny, my understanding of knowing that that is an unattainable lifestyle that we need to stop trying to strive for and how funny is it if I try and do it? That's that's the main, main point to it. I mean, I do get, if I lose weight or whatever, I do get comments going, you're looking too good now for this to work. And I'm like, no, no, comedy, beauty, not oil and water smush that all in together and, and it makes up who we are. And same with, you know, smart and beautiful. Where it just, just showing the other, the other side of social media as well, trying to use it for good. And so you said that you are using it in a positive way, but also to, I think, get more opportunities. 100%. And have other people 
reached out to you, Celeste, and said, we think you're really funny. We'd like to talk to you about a role, Absolutely. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, Tom Ford is a fine example of oh, that. Oh, yes, exactly. When we made out and now we are boyfriend and girlfriend forever and always. Doesn't <laughs> well, matter what he says. Well, you have to tell the story of Tom Ford and what happened. Well, he emailed, well, his people emailed me three years ago maybe and it was the subject line was Tom Ford for Tom Ford and Celeste or something like that and in the email it said Tom Ford adores you he thinks that you are amazing and would love to collaborate one day best Tom Ford and you know the sound an email makes when it comes into your inbox goes yes That sound had barely finished by the time I wrote, yes, what does he need? When does he want it? I'm on my way. Like I just and CC'd my publicist, my publicist, publicist, my mum, my dad, my nana, everyone that bullied me at school. My Like I just CC'd everyone in on it and sent it back and went, yes, what do you need? And we collaborated before a show where it was a, ca- a campaign that he has for boys and girls lipstick where two incredibly offensively attractive models are sitting at an airport and then they just make out and there's lipstick all over them. And Tom Ford said to me, I thought we could do one of it where you and I make out. And I was like, yeah, that works for me. That's fine. That's that's, that's fine for me. So we did it. But then I just did a parody of being a model and walking down a Tom Ford catwalk. So we need you to just walk here. Do it again so I can tell you what you need to change. Oh, he's just liquid sunshine, that man. He really is. He had all the models come down and me come down as well and, like, they got in my way and I was like, get them out of my way! And, you know, and then when we were doing a fitting... Two, three, suck in. Oh. You did it. Oh, I'm cramping. Go. Hop, hop, hop. It's on! It's on! Okay. It's on. Just we a... had some tape. Do we have some duct tape? We, we cut it together in a way that he went, okay, thank you, Celeste, and he walked out and I then just started to try and steal things. It's, it's always like a Tom Ford smorgasbord. It's, you're going to take okay, your things. Thank you. And then we cut it that he came back in and he was like, Celeste, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, someone's trying yeah, to steal coming. things and I've got like yeah. 18 pairs of sunglasses on and handbags with like one shoe in it. Well, it's so exciting to have all of this happen to you. And when we come back, I want to find out about your childhood, Mm -hmm. how you got into this crazy line of work. But we'll talk about that right after this. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You grew up in New South Wales, far north coast. Good girl. Yes, we did our research, Celeste. So what was your childhood like? Was that a very sort of quaint, remote, uh, rugged, beautiful place to grow up? What was it like? All of those things, but not rugged. No, I um, grew up... I grew up right on the border of New South Wales and Queensland. So right on the beach, Rainbow Bay, Kira, um, Deba, like that's where all some of the best surfers in the world come from. Joel Parkinson, Mick Fanning, Stephanie Gilmore, Mark Ocalupo, Robert Bartholomew, they're all world champion surfers and they've come from there. Um and I never surfed in my life. <laughs> I was a dancer when I was little. So, um, but it was just a really beautiful area. I grew up in a, specifically in a place called Terranora. A beautiful house that my dad built and my mum designed. So I have an older sister, Olivia, who is three and a half years older than me, that people always ask who's older. And I'm like, she is older. She's three and a half. She loves it. Um, yeah. And I danced a lot as a kid and just was always quite dramatic. And, and, and it sounds like... Uh your parents. I read a sweet story about how they didn't want to medicate you, even though oh, you had ADD. ADD yeah. And that they instilled in you a certain confidence in loving who you are for who you are yeah. and not wanting to alter kind of your your thing, your chemistry, your right. persona, your spirit. Yeah. And um, I also don't really think they had... <laughs> much of a choice because I was I'm I'm a lot and I like being a lot is your sister a lot yeah yeah both of you yeah we are a lot but so is my mum and then when she's not so is my dad so we're all it's a lot big personalities yeah yeah I mean my dad's a lot more kind of quiet and subtle with his humor and my mum is so funny when she knows she has an audience and she knows people are listening she's a bit sassy like that but um Yeah, I remember hearing them talk to the doctor. So I was diagnosed with ADD and they were talking um, to the doctor about me being medicated. And I was 16 when I was diagnosed. That's quite late to be medicated for ADD. It usually happens younger. Well, I think so, you you know, younger in your life, earlier in your life. I'm quite grateful that it didn't for me because I, I struggled a bit. I struggled, I was bullied a little bit at school and... I, I Like I say, I was a lot. I couldn't sit still for five minutes and it got to a point where teachers, when I'd go to walk into class, they'd go, let's just not worry about it today. And I'd go, sure, and I'd just sit outside. Really? Yeah, because was, I was distracting. And, mm-hmm. and, and disruptive. Yeah, absolutely. So I heard my parents saying, well, you know, when we did the test and I was very much had ADD, um, I heard, and then I had to sit in the waiting room, I heard my mum saying, we just don't want her to change. We don't want drugs to change her we just want it 
to be a bit easier for her at school. And the doctor's like, no, this won't change her in any way. And I remember my mum saying, we know she's full on, but we like that about her. I'm getting emotional thinking about it. And I'll never forget that. As a 16-year-old girl hearing that, it was so lovely. And then, honestly, I took the first tablet of Ritalin, different. Sorry, same person, just I could – I sat and read a paragraph in this book about ADD and mum and dad just watched me and they cried because I'd never sat and read anything in my life. Wow. And this was around the same time that you're – your mom said we we like the way she yeah, is. Yeah, but yeah. You, they put you on medication anyway. Oh well, yes, but, but they put me on medication. No, no, sorry, they put me on medication because the doctor said it will it will it's not going to change her. It's just going to make her focus, and it's going to make up that chemical in her brain that she doesn't have that will help her to sit and listen in class and know how to read a story or write a story it's just going to help her and it and exactly what happened I didn't change at all I could just focus and that's when I started writing jokes and that's when I could kind of sit and really get into what it is I wanted to do so tell me what it is you wanted to do and how you did it um I went to drama school so I've always written jokes and just always been funny and loud and always thought it's not really because I think Comedy comes quite easily to me. I find it quite easy. So for some silly reason, I think, well, that's not acting. It needs to be hard and torturous and really, you know, challenge every night or every day on set. So I went to drama school for three years, graduated, then started doing like a few little comedy shows, not stand-up but acting because I'm a trained actor. I'm first and foremost an actor. And then um, I got a role on... A television show in Australia called All Saints, which was kind of like the Grey's Anatomy of All mm-hmm. Saints, without the doctor, without the McDreamy. Um, Unfortunately and, for yeah, you, yeah. And then um, I was on that for five years, and kind of played a bit of a lighter character to everyone else. But it was a dramatic it was series. A, it was a drama show, absolutely. And then it was my beautiful friend Mark Priestley, who has since passed away. Which he was so sad. I read oh, about that. Worst. Yeah. He was a very, very close friend of yours. Abs- this is the who, tattoo. Who took his took his own life. Yeah, he killed himself. Yeah. It was that was a lot to deal with. Was um, that is was he an actor? Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. I know actor. I know his name, I'm sure. He's, he was quite well known. In Australia he was. Yes. Yeah. This is before all Aussies started coming over and taking over Hollywood. Um he was incredible and he was the one he used to just come around to my house at like three AM with a video camera and go, let's just shoot stuff. And I'm like, yes, let's do that. And we'd just shoot stupid sketches. And we thought they were the funniest things in the world. And I always thought he was so funny and so wonderful. And then the and so did everyone. He was very well known in, in the industry and, and, and loved and sought after. And then the fact that he said to me, I'll never forget this conversation, we are sitting on set in between takes of, you know, someone's, dying on their hospital bed on this show, really dramatic. But in between, you know, lighting setups or something, Mark and I were sitting there just like writing like a little sketch and he went, maybe you should say, and then he just stopped and looked at me and went, no, you know what you're doing. And I was like, no, no, right. He goes, no, you know what you're doing. And then he went, you know that, right? You're you're amazing at comedy. No one can do what you do. And he's like, because I was always like, oh, whatever, it's just boring. And he goes, no, that's boring. you not understanding what you can do is boring now, so just get on with it. And that cha- bang, that day on, 
Really? I just lent into it, lent into my strengths, lent into what I loved and kind of knew I was good at. So what, where did your career take you after that? Um, unemployment for a little while. <laughs> um, I was then a writer on a, a show, a really bad show that we don't need to talk about. And then um, I had babies and then it was when I had my second son, first son, first son, that my friend called me and said she's doing some stand-up. And I was like, good on you because I'd always been told I should do stand-up and I was like, yes, you are. Tell me where you're doing it. I'll send flowers. I'm so excited. And I was like, I know what's happening. I know what's coming. And she said, I want you to open for me. And I was, she got me at a good time because I was sleep deprived. I had a newborn and I went, she goes, it's like five minutes. It's in a small space. It's in the um, Sydney Fringe Festival, five minutes. And I went, okay, no, yeah, no, I won't, sure. Yeah, ah, yes, hang up. And she just hung up because the last thing I said was yes. And so then I went, damn it. And so I had five minutes and I got up and I did it and it was one of the, you know, you hear those stories like Shirley Temple or whatever, you, you're terrified. But then you open the curtain and you see the microphone and the spotlight and you think, I'm never leaving. I will die up here. This is amazing. And I was supposed to be five minutes and after 15 minutes, she was kind of side stage going, <laughs> get off. And then that was it. That was me done. And, and, and obviously you wouldn't feel this way if the reception wasn't incredible to your humor and you did you and then did you sort of transition to stand up well no then instagram started coming more and more like i did more and more. i was posting twice a day uh-huh. every day on instagram because i knew it was good i knew i wanted it out there i wanted people i sent to some of my friends who had like ten thousand followers who were well-known actors i was like can you repost this for me i really want to i think it's something good and it's fine you know, all my friends thought it was hilarious And so I had, you know, excellent friends going, sure, this is my friend Celeste and posting out for me. And then I kind of got to a point where I was like, I'm very, I'm very proactive, always have been. I'm a hustler. Like Lisa Renner. I think you have to be. You're the Lisa Renner of Australia. I mean, I'm a hustler. And I remember sitting at my computer and just went, well, there's nothing really coming in. And I'm, there's a lot I'm putting out and I'm getting a lot of, People wanted to interview me about it and it was and really blowing and up. Right, instant gratification, yeah, right? And I was like cracking. I mean, I'm I may have been at a million followers by now. It grew really quickly. And I went, I wanna I wanna prove myself. I'm I'm I know what I'm doing. And I just in that moment went did it and just booked a theatre in Sydney in, in Australia. I was living just out of Sydney at that time, had just had my second baby, and I was like I want to book a theatre. So I booked two nights at this theatre called The Giant Dwarf in um, Redfern in Sydney and then went, oh, shit, oh, God. Now it was three months from that date. I went, I've got nothing on. I want to do a show. And I did and I sold it out and it killed and I toured it and now I'm making out with Tom Ford. (laughs) When we come back, how Celeste gave back to her native land in its time of need. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Now to Australia, where they're facing those massive fires, already among the worst in that country's history. Haunting images, flames, plumes of smoke, and firefighters desperately battling walls of fire. Another costly and deadly day in this month's-long catastrophe. The terrifying scale of Australia's bushfire disaster is beginning to emerge. Bushfires are not new to Australia. But this fire season has proved to be one of the country's worst ever. By some estimates, as many as 28 people have died, more than 12 million acres have burned to the ground, and thousands of homes have been destroyed. And then, of course, there were all the animals. Because the devastation was so personal for Celeste, she did the only thing she could think of. She turned to her Instagram following. You raised, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Celeste, $30 million, maybe more? Well, I raised $51.5 million wow. Australian. Yes. So that might be like 48 American dollars. I don't know. Well, it's, it's an amazing <laughs> amount of money because of the wildfires mm-hmm. in Australia. And this this affected you very personally, mm-hmm. not only because you're from Australia, but but you had friends and family members my and family. you watch their homes go up in in smoke right well my so my mother-in-law is in Eden which is the the complete other end of the state from where we live it's the far south coast of New South Wales and we're on the far north coast and so it's where RP my husband is from it's his home and we were there for Christmas and I remember going up up the street or something and going 
God, there's some smoke. And everyone, we knew there were fires kind of around and then it was terrible and terrible like in Canberra, our capital, and uh, in South Australia and over on Kangaroo Island. Like it wasn't good. But I was like, oh, my God, it is bad. And then kind of going, the smoke's really full on here. And then we left after Christmas and went home and it 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 swung. It, it came really really badly and my husband's cousin lost her home we've lost a billion wildlife so I saw my mother-in-law who was a very very strong woman like I had 16 years with this excellent woman and she is a strong lady and she was not okay and she was panicking and that really it really struck me and the thing is she's so she's so well informed and so hands-on joy that she was like, no one's here. There isn't a helicopter in the sky. There isn't any ADF on the on the ground, which is not the fault of the ADF. It's a it's a government thing. There, there's no one here, and and I. That's when I went, oh my gosh, and that's when I started the fundraiser, and I just said please help any way you can. This is terrifying. And started a goal of $30,000 because I also saw people internationally going, how can we help? Because I've got a big following, especially internationally. People, I don't... People wanted to people help. People wanted to but help. But they didn't know what to do. Exactly. And I mean, there's obviously other ways, they, other places they could have donated to, but the way I ended up doing it was just really straightforward. It was just a kind of swipe, click, donate, done and and I think that's kind of what people needed as well um and then yeah we also my husband and I kept everyone very updated on my Instagram stories which were getting millions of views my stories because people like this is how we're staying updated which is a really daunting thing because you're like gosh I need to make sure I know what I'm talking about right it's a big responsibility absolutely but it does show how media consumption has changed absolutely dramatically it's instantaneous it's it's um you know what do they call it uh citizen created you know it's not you're not a journalist no and it's power to the people I keep saying that I keep with the amount of money raised and also when I would post about it, I had so many people going, oh, this is also happening. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's good to know and I'll make sure that people know about that. Or you'll add that to your stories. Exactly. Because and then, then you I'll... could give a very much a 360 view of right. the whole country, and I, I imagine. Was, and I was also acutely aware of letting people know that I am not the face of this. I'm not the saviour of this. I'm I'm you. I'm that person over there. I'm scared and this is my kind of experience of the whole thing. And then we ended up getting to... Oh my god, fifty-one and a half million dollars. That's amazing. Yeah, and then turns out I've saved the world. No, that's not true. But no, but you, I mean, I'm sure you you helped a great deal. It well, it it was extraordinary. As in Australia, our firefighters, majority of our firefighters are volunteer, and there were stories coming through of, I'm talking eighty foot flames in the sky coming at, that will go through over a, a few kilometres in 15 minutes and you can't you can't put that out. A human being can't put that out. That has to burn. You can't. But they're standing there in shoes that I've got on, just sneakers, and like with some of them putting just putting their hand over their mouths because they don't have the equipment. So that's why I that's why I chose the New South Wales RFS to to, to it was the trust of the RSF New South, um, is RFS the um, RFS so, yeah New South Wales Rural Fire Service 
Um, so the volunteers can – so then all the money then goes to the brigade. So then they go out and get the equipment that they need, hopefully. Finally, the fires got under control and are now out, Celeste? They're out because now we're underwater. Well, tell everyone listening what – has replaced the problem because now it's flooding, obviously. We're flooded. In I showed you a, a photo before we started of middle of Sydney, the, the city, and water is up to the windows of the cars. We're flooded. The fires are all out, but now we're flash flooding. It's, it's because I mean, I of the deforestation I, and nothing I, there to kind I th- of. I think so. I haven't. I, I've been here since. I mean, it was torrential rain when I left to fly here to the States. So I haven't been home to see exactly what it is. But it, it looks as though, yeah, that's that's what it is. It's it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And I'm all I now go is, all right, I'll start another fundraiser. <laughs> I'll raise another $51 million and see, I don't know what to do. I really don't. It's quite scary. Do you feel like the world is a scary place right now? I mean, obviously, it's it's great to have moments of levity and relief through people like you and your humor, but so many friends of mine feel that we're in such dire straits in so many different ways. I agree. I think it's a very scary time. I do, however, feel that there is a bit of a groundswell going on at home in Australia and I'm here a lot and I've been here a lot in the past few years when you now have a different president and everything and when I first came over when he was first in office I was like oh this is terrifying this is a, this is a real wow there's you just feel it was very hostile but since coming back more and going home you know back and forth and over to the UK as well I feel like there's a real groundswell happening I think the internet has a lot to do with that because we can all, you and I can sit here and talk now and we can all reach out to each other more. And But I'm just having this thing where I'm like, like I said before, power to the people and, and I feel like that's really starting to bubble, which it needs to bubble quicker. So before we go, what is your dream? I mean, where do you want to go from here, Celeste Barber? My goal in life is to play the king in Hamilton. I would love to play. I can't sing. Um and I'm not a man, but I want to. I want to try and find a way to make that a character choice for that character to play the king, and I think it's the most incredible role ever. And everything I do, I do from the ground up, and that's really exciting and and amazing and exhausting. So I'm really like the idea of just being given a script and a call sheet now and just turning up to a film. That would be lovely. And because you have a busy life and two little boys that are still seven and... Eight and nearly six. Eight, eight and six. So yeah. you've, got a, you've got a busy life with your hashtag hot husband. He's so hot. He is. Isn't he, Pat? <laughs> it makes <laughs> me laugh producer. that people come and say to you, like, good on you for snagging him. Oh, yeah, well done. Congratulations, because he's hot. Yeah, but it's also interesting when my husband drops our sons at school when someone in grade three walks past and goes, hi, hot husband. My husband's like, no, no, that's weird. That's It's RP or it's Mr. Robin. Please don't say that. That's very weird for me. <laughs> like, you know, a 10-year-old saying it. Yeah. So, so fun. funny. Well, I'm yeah. really happy to meet you. Oh, you Thank too. you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. This is a treat for me, an absolute treat. Well, thank you. Ta-da. Ta-da. Thank you, Katie. That was lovely. Oh, sit down. And that does it for this week's episode of Next Question, everyone. 
I have to say, I had so much fun talking with Celeste Barber. She's so delightful. And if you like a laugh, she's a must-follow on Instagram, especially during these troubling times. Oh, and Celeste also interviewed me for her podcast called Celeste and Her Best. I love her friend Tom, by the way, who does this podcast with her. You can find that on the Luminary podcast app. I'm not sure when that's coming out, but keep a listen out for it. And while you're at it, keep an eye on Next Question. We've got a lot of good stuff coming, so make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or really wherever you listen. And if you'd like some help keeping up with all the news, check out my morning newsletter. It's called Wake Up Call. Just go to katiecurric.com to subscribe. And of course, you can find me on Instagram, just like Celeste, and all the other social media channels, although I'm not nearly as funny as she is. Until next time and my next question, I'm Katie Couric. Thanks for listening. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartRadio and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric, Courtney Litz, and Tyler Klang. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen. Our show producer is Beth Ann Macaluso. The associate producers are Emily Pinto and Derek Clements. Editing by Derek Clements, Dylan Fagan, and Lowell Berlanti. Mixing by Dylan Fagan. Our researcher is Gabriel Luzer. For more information on today's episode, go to katiecurric.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at katiecurric. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.